0: Of being in each other's weddings and then our babies we have we each have 13 year olds and I have a 16 year old she has a 15 year old and then I have one that's older but just them as babies and now they're now they barely speak because they're in junior high <laughs> and they act like they don't know each other but they I did have a picture of them taking a bath together I did not bring <laughs> but anyway you can just see I mean we feel like we blinked and this happened so we just want to impart to you from the Lord um, if we can if, we, if you can leave with one thing we'd be thrilled. Yeah, and we want to start out by saying um, we don't have this
1: figured out. So we're not here because we have, you know, we have figured time out, and we don't have any struggles with it. That's one thing. And the second thing is, take what we say this morning and run it through your own filter. Every family is different, and what might work for me might not work for you or for your friend or whatever. So use your wisdom. You know, use the wisdom and discern what you know we say, and if it will help you. Or not. Um, and if anybody wants to know how you get your hair that curly, come talk to us afterwards, and we can tell you all about pink sponge rollers, and um, and then kind of what happens, how your hair just magically gets lighter as you get older. So we can talk to you about that too.
0: Yes, let's open in prayer. Lord, we thank you for uh, Lord. We just thank you for each person here today, Father. Just pray that um, that our words would be Your words, and that each lady here would leave. Um, just with a better understanding of who you are and how much you are, you love them. And I just pray that um, we would just have wisdom w- for all of us, how we use our time, and that we may have eternal focus, but also we have physical things that have to get done. So Lord, we just ask for wisdom for all of us. Pray that it would be an enjoyable morning, and that each person would leave, um, just with a greater love for you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay,
1: Amen. Okay, I, um, we started to work on this talk, which was actually in June. Um, we kind of talked about what we wanted to cover, and one of the things I thought it would be so interesting to find out what people really do with their time because, like, I know where my time goes, but what does the average person really do? So I found a study, and this was um, – they surveyed the average um, – it was a man who was 70 um, – after somebody had lived to be 76 and 81, it kind of figured out the average of what they had done throughout their lifetime. So um, these are just some interesting statistics of what they found. Um, the average man spent three years of his life driving, and the woman spent the same amount. Um, the man spent 10 hours um, watching television, and the 10 years. 10 years watching television, and the woman spent 13 years watching television. I'm thinking, I'm like, who are they talking to? Um, okay. Uh, Let's see, exercising, the man uh, the man spent two years. The woman had spent one year. Um, sex, they had both spent six months, which that's a good thing. It kind of worked out uh, that way. Okay, uh, driving, the man spent three years. The woman spent three years, which I'm thinking they, they're not really – they must have polled people in my stage of life because I feel like I drive way more than that. And then um, – one thing, this, this will give you insight if you're a mother of a little boy. The average man spent three years on the toilet, <laughs> and the average woman spent six months. So for the man, that, that averaged to 40 minutes a day. So like when your little boy goes in the bathroom and he wants like books and all this other stuff, then you're like, now, now you understand where that's going. And when you're thinking like, I can't even go in there by myself, now you kind of, you sort of understand. Um, A couple more numbers. Um, The average, this is a U.S. study. Um, The average person spent seven hours a month on Facebook, two hours on Google, and one hour on eBay. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So that's kind of what what that study showed. Um, One thing is time is one of those things that's unique because every single person has exactly the same amount. We each have 24 hours in a day. But what do we usually think about time? Somehow, that God shortchanged us. That we don't have enough of it. That if we only had more time, we could get more done, or or things would be easier or better for us. Um, you know, what does the world say about time? The world says there just isn't enough time in the day. I don't know where the time goes. I'll try to find the time somewhere. Um, you think about how we describe time. It's like It's peak time. It's rush hour. Get a move on. Come on, I don't have all day. And that's kind of how our our culture is. Um, How do you describe time? Urgent, priority, pressing. And then you think about how we've evolved really in a fairly short period of time. used to be uh, mail came by the Pony Express. And and people were actually okay with that. And then we had telegrams. And then we had telephones. And then answering machines, which to date us, I remember when I was a senior in college, one girl in the dorm had an answering machine. And that was, like, way cool. Okay? So now here we are. And that was just about five or six years ago. No, not really. Um, Anyway, now we have, and I remember when we first got cell phones, my husband got one, and it was like, you know, wired in the car. It wasn't really, I guess, what do you call this, mobile phones then? Um, And then, then faxes, and now we have FedEx, and we have priority mail, and we have texting. Everything is, like, if your phone, I have a, my iPhone is like two and a half years old, and it's starting to kind of do some weird stuff. And, like, if my text doesn't just pop right up, I mean, I am like, kind of been out of shape so all of this to say is like look at look at how we've evolved um so has all of all these things that we have now given us more time do you feel like you have more time in your day because you have the cell phone and the text and all this stuff i mean i don't um but Christians, I think, in some ways, are the worst with their time management because we take things seriously. We want to do a job well. We want to glorify God. Uh, we want to. We not only serve at work; we serve in our communities. Um, and as a result of that, we are in a hurry, in a rush, going from one thing to the next. Um, and our that view of our time that um, getting things done is more important than relations. Hasn't really gotten us very far. Um, so our goal is really to examine um, who we are, why we're here, where we're going. And I would say to you, um, biblical balance is the key. And if you're following along in your outline, that's that's on there. That's that's the goal: biblical balance. Um, and besides knowing and loving God, nothing on earth gives us eternal value. Okay, so let's look at a couple of passages about what um, the Bible says about time. And I have um, a couple of sites there. Um, and I just love this. Psalms 39, 4-5. It says, um, O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made, me, made my days a few hand breaths, and my lifetime is nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. And a hand um, and the time of King David was the shortest measurement of time that there was. And what a hand breath is, if you if you can go back way in your brain, remember when we actually used to have cold weather? You know, when you would go outside and you would step out and you would and you would see your breath. That's a hand breath. That's the measurement of our lives. We are but a few hand breaths. When you think of it that way you're like, Wow. I mean, we don't have a lot of time here on earth, so what we do with it is really important. And then another scripture from James 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and try to make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So when you really think about our time here on Earth. It's important that we use it wisely and to God's glory. And um, from here, we're going to talk about prioritizing our time and how we actually put this uh, into
0: practice. Okay. First of all, first of all, I think. Am I on? First of all, I think it's really important to remember that um, people are more important than our checklist. And um, you know, so many times, if we, especially if we've written it out, which we will encourage you to do. It, you want to have those check marks by it. But we have to remember to put people in front of um, our to-do list and our checklist. Um, so how do we even, you know, we want to talk about prioritizing. And I love the verse from Ephesians 5:15 to 17. It says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And so we, need, we want to look at today, what is wise? How, what is wise living when in regards to our time? First thing we need to think about is that God's timetable does not look like ours. And in Second Peter 3.8, it says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And you've probably had days with your babies that feel like a thousand years. <laughs> but, but in God's timetable, you know, we're we are so um, worldly in our thinking of time, but to God, you know, especially when we have to wait on things, when we've prayed about something and we're waiting, you know, to him, he doesn't have the same measurement that we do. And that's hard for us to realize. Um, as far as priorities, um, there's a great book that I love called Creative Counterpart, and Linda Dillow um, asks you to, to to prioritize your life into six categories, and I think these are excellent. The first one is to put God first, and that you would probably all have have been able to say that. Now, whether we do it or not is a different thing. But Matthew 6:33 says. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And when I talk about time with God, I don't mean talk. I don't mean like serving in the nursery, or I don't mean um, being on some kind of church committee. Or what I mean is actually time alone with God. And that means through prayer, with your Bible, maybe praise music. Um, that you cannot replace that with anything else. You can't replace it by working for God or by doing for God or by talking about God. Um, So I just really encourage you, no matter how short it is, that's the first priority, no matter what, to spend time alone with the Lord. Um, Everything else will come into play, and it will just be, uh, it will filter through in a beautiful way if we can all learn to do that first. The second priority is your husband. And even though you've got those cute babies and children, it seems like he should be able to do his own thing, and they can't really biblically um, your husband is your first priority. And Proverbs 12:4 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife, wife is like decay in his bones. And it's so hard because you're thinking, you can fix your own waffle and this child cannot. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you need to go be a slave either, but, but he knows if he's a priority or not. And it doesn't mean that you have to serve him every single second. But... Um, having that attitude of he is, more, he is the next important thing besides God in your life, biblically. And um, that I, I want to know, I can't do every single thing for him, but I can find out what is important to him and then help do that. And so um, I think sometimes, especially when they're little, that is really gets, that gets backwards, where we, we've got this one that is the, that urgent versus important. We've got this urgent one in front of us that's little and loud. And we've got our husband, who may be more in the background, but... You know, I just would encourage you to pray about how you can serve your husband and love him well, because everything else will fall into balance when we get our priorities straight. Um, and then our third priority is our children. And Psalm 127:3 says, "Sons are a heritage from the Lord; children, a reward from Him." And I can remember people saying. Oh, you're just not going to believe how much you love them? And you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you really, you know that now. When Now that you do have them, you cannot believe how much you love them. And they are a, such a reward and such a gift. And um, they should be a top priority in your life after your husband and God. The next priority is your home. Proverbs 31.27 says, She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And so I think making sure that your home runs well is a, is a priority. And um, just being able to... You know, some of those basic things like bread and milk and peace and um, making up the bed or whatever it is that's important to your husband, then also can transfer over into your home. So having a peaceful, calm um, home is, is really you set the tone for that. And not that you can make everything perfect and not that you can always control everything, but you can control your attitude. And so I would just encourage you to, you know, think about that. But home should be about the fourth priority. Fifth priority would be yourself, and that's a tough one, especially for young moms with babies. But Matthew 19:19 19, 19 says to love your neighbor as yourself. So God says it's okay to love ourselves, and we're going to talk about that just in a little bit, how we need to take care of ourselves and um, do something for ourselves so that then we can be filled up so that we can then give out to others. Um, so I would put that maybe in the category of exercise or, you know, how much time do you spend getting ready, things like that for yourself. Or, or also even doing something creative or something that you enjoy. And then the last priority, um, number six, is outside the home. And Matthew 29:19 says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so um, there is a time and a season where you will do more of this than probably what you're doing now. But it's hard right now if you are trying to serve on a bunch of committees or you're trying to do fundraisers or whatever, you're probably feeling, feeling the stress of trying to keep those other five in balance if you are trying to do too much out of the home when your children are very small. Um, Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, and I just think that's so important because there's probably days when you do feel weary um, and just you know to continue to do the, good, the right thing and the good thing and the thing that may not be honored in the world's eyes and the thing that may not be valued and you may not get a paycheck for it, but just to continue to do, to do good and not becoming weary in doing that. And we know the verse from Matthew 11:28, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." So again, that's putting God first and in the right priority. So let's just look at some real-life examples, and y'all tell me which category it would be, um, because because it might kind of it might kind of uh, be surprising to you. Okay, your husband has asked you to pick up some cleaning for his work. What priority number would that be? Just shout it out. It'd be a two. That's right. Even though you might think. You know, he's a grown-up. He can do that on the way home. I mean, if he's asked you to do something, then, then that probably needs to be high up on your list, whether it be would you make this phone call or would, whatever. You're thinking, are you kidding me? But that, is, that would be a, a high priority. Um, okay, keeping a friend's child because they need to go to the doctor or whatever. Where, what number would that be? I think that would probably be six, out, doing something outside the home. And, of course, you want to love and serve each other. But you've got to look out for your family also. Um, personal Bible study, what would that be? Number one. Um, serving in a fundraising position in the community. Number six. Driving on a field trip or doing something like that for school or preschool or something like that. It could be three. Um, a net, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but when you, when you serve your school or your children... It's best to pick something that directly affects them. Driving on a field trip probably would be direct, but I know I made the mistake of when my kids were little, serving on like a, a greater grand committee that really weren't like a, a Grandparents Day or Fine Arts Day is what we call them, where I, my child specifically had no idea really that I was helping with this. <laughs> Versus if you're in the classroom bringing cookies, they see that. So our greatest example would be Jesus. And just, you know, how did he spend his time? Because... Um, you know, I, I think we should take note from the Son of God. So, you know, the saying, "What WWJD, no, really, what would Jesus do? There's a lot of times I ask myself that, like, when you're trying to get on Central, and you think, what would Jesus do? Let all these people keep going? Or should I go myself? I don't know the answer to that. But let's look at how he would spend his time. So we know that God has given us each 24 hours in a day, and it, the good thing is it's enough time to do what he has called us to do, each one of us individually, not what she's called to do. And I'm not called to do what you're called to do. I'm called to do what he calls me to do. And Jesus, he was tremendously busy every day. He was often exhausted, but he was never feverish or rushed. And I love that. If you look at the way, if you look at the Gospels of how Jesus spent his time, he was, he was very busy. I mean, he healed and he traveled and he did all these things. He was often interrupted, but he never was rushed, never made anybody feel like, yeah, 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 I'll get back with you. I mean, he, he just had a way with people that he could love and minister to them without um, being feverish or rushed. Um, and sometimes he would, spend extensive, he would spend extensive times with one person and allow himself to, to be interrupted. So I think we need to learn for that as well, especially interruptions with young kids because you are going to have them. So the minute you think they're down for a two-hour nap, I'm going to get this project done, you know, we have to be open to interruptions and, and plan for them because that is the season of life. Um, So we know that Jesus prioritized his life um, and with eternal things. He He put first things first. He took time to get alone with the Father. So we have to take note of this. If he did that, how much more do we need to do that? He also sought the Father's will. We have to realize that we will never be able to meet all the needs of those around us, no matter what. We will never be able to do enough. But we just have to do what we are called to do. And so that can be freeing. And the only way we know that is to spend time with the Lord, to spend time with the Father and find out what it is that he wants me to do. Um, we have to realize that some things are non-negotiables, especially at this stage of life. Food for the family, laundry, driving, doctor's appointments, home maintenance, car maintenance, being the nurse. Um, those, all, those are all things that are going to be your job and they're not going anywhere. And so we have to be able to figure out how to manage all of those Um, But, you know, putting the Lord first is going to be a top priority. Um, One thing that has helped me the most is learning to put margin in my day. And I have been a complete failure at this this whole entire week. (laughs) I would like to tell you that. I've gone from thing to thing to thing to thing. So I'm I'm speaking to the choir, but I'm speaking to myself. So just we need to be able to slow down enough so that we can talk to that friend, minister to that friend, return that phone call and not be rushed. Write a note to somebody. But you can't minister to others if you don't have margin in your life. Um, and it doesn't happen magically. It is built in. We have got to. We'll talk about calendars in a little while. But we've got to build in margin. And especially with little kids, you think that you have, you know, it's going to take you 15 minutes to get there. And, um, you, but you need to build in. This child may spit up and I, or I need a diaper change. or um, I mean, there, there's things that are going You just need to plan that something you're going to need to give yourself extra time. Not to mention all the buckling and tying of shoes that you do.
1: Okay, so now we're going to look at physical time wasters. Like, where does the time go? What do we do with these 24 hours each day that the Lord has given us? And these are just some that we thought of that um, for sure um, pertain to us and probably would pertain to you all too. I think, um, number one, not planning or procrastinating. So when you procrastinate, you waste your time thinking about what you still have to do, what's on your to-do list, what you know, what you didn't get done, and beating yourself up for not doing it. So, and sometimes that is part of what's going to happen. If you have a sick child, then you're not going to get the things done. But as best you can, if you can make a plan, um, that's going to help you. All right, not saying no. It is up to you to choose how you spend your time, and I would say according to the priorities that Elizabeth talked about, but I think one thing, especially um, as your kids get older, you're going to have to have some kind of filter in place to protect yourself from doing this because who wouldn't want to bring cookies to school, watch a friend's child, run an extra errand, serve on this committee, all these things sound really fun, but if if you don't have some kind of filter, then you're going to get yourself in trouble. Um, and one thing um, is just your standard answer could be, I need to pray about that, or I have to check with my husband first. And then you then you do have time to reflect, not in the heat of the moment, about what, what you're going to do. We're, we're going to talk about some very just specific ways to kind of handle that, but um, not saying no is a physical time waster. Okay, crisis mode or firefighting. I think Allison said earlier, running around like, a, you know, like your head's cut off. Um, the tyranny of the urgent. Just um, you know, getting in the frenzy of what you're trying to do. And not only is, does it waste time and exhaust you, it sets a bad example for your children. So think about that. And you can address that by planning or um, not procrastinating. All right, um, what, interruptions. Telephone, emails, internet. Um, now, those are all clearly a part of life now. I mean, your phone's going to ring, your little phone's going to ding when you have an email or a text or something like that. But I would just encourage you to be where you are. If you're on the floor playing, you know, Barbies or Legos or something like that with your kids, just be on the floor. I mean, tell yourself, you know, I'm going to have this uninterrupted time. Now, if you're on the floor and your baby's in the swing and he's bits up everywhere. Clearly, you need to be interrupted, and you need to go address that. But um, and you need to think about what you're being interrupted by. And this will go full circle when your kids are older, and they then have their own cell phone, and you're having a conversation with them, and then it's like ding, and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa! Wonder where they learned how to do that from. So think about that, the kind of example, or like dinner. We're not we're not answering the phone during dinner. Um, or we're not going to, you know, we're all going to stay at the table or whatever. But think about what, how the interruptions waste your time. The lack of organization and tidiness. Um, clutter zaps your energy and hinders your effectiveness. And there was some I was uh, driving, which I do a lot of these days in the car, and there was a Staples commercial, and it was talking about the average office worker spends 15 hours a year looking for lost items. I was like, wow. I mean, think about that in your household. So I would just um, encourage you, and we'll talk about this later, how how you can really organize things. But just um, having clutter, not disciplining yourself to uh, put things away or put them in an orderly place or return them to the same place every time, is a physical time waster. All right, meetings. You probably are not in the. I mean, those of you with little bitties probably haven't gotten to this stage. Yet, but meetings can be a giant waste of time. And so you just want to be selective. And that's one of those things before you would say yes to something, you would want to inquire okay, what's involved in this commitment? How many meetings are there? Um, how long do they last? Um, can you miss them? Do, are they required? Um, and then exactly what's going to be accomplished at the meeting. Sometimes I think people just meet just because. They've always met, and that's just what we do. So think about that. All right, uh, not delegating. Uh, don't do for your kids what they can do for themselves. What you can, what they can do for yourself. It should have been themselves. Um, so think about that, and you'd be like, I have a one-year-old. What can I possibly delegate to the one-year-old? Well, you can be like, find, um, go to your car seat if they can crawl or whatever. Or, you know, really, there's a lot they can do. Or like. Pick the sippy cup off the floor or hand me the spoon or whatever. Just try to encourage them to um, to be responsible for some stuff because eventually it's going to pay off and then you won't be doing everything for them. All right, uh, not estimating time correctly. Elizabeth talked about this earlier, um, and that kind of cuts two ways. Either you think it's only going to take you 15 minutes to get somewhere, and it takes you 30 minutes, or you, um, you know, arrive somewhere Way early, and then you're kind of like twiddling your thumbs, and then your child is kind of out of control or whatever. So, trying to estimate your time correctly would
0: would be helpful. So, okay, so those were uh, physical time. time wasters. But let's let's take a look at spiritual time wasters. What are things that zap our um, zap our time by by our minds? Um, I looked at worry. And uh, worry would be the first one. And that is, um, I kind of defined it as spending time thinking about things that you don't want to happen. And uh, Webster's defines it as to torment oneself (laughs) or suffer with disturbing thoughts. And I thought, man, if you just read that, you'd think, why in the world would anybody want to do that? (laughs) And... um, Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, not much more valuable than they? And who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And I am a worrier, and so I struggle with that all the time. And I... Um, realize my son, who's not a worry about anything, he's 20, and he, um, and I can remember when he started driving, I'd be like, you know, call me when you get there. He's like, Mom, most people get to where they're going. And that he's right. You know, most people do. I mean, yes, you have the, you hear those occasional bad stories, and they're the ones that are published on the news or in a newspaper, but generally all the things we worry about, a lot of them are not going to happen. Um, things that I could imagine that at your stage of life you might be worrying about would be something like uh you know what what preschool or what school are we going to be looking at um what if my husband loses his job uh what if I'm pregnant again and this isn't the timing I was looking at so it's just mental (laughs) thoughts of thinking about mental thoughts thinking about things you have probably no control over anyway and so um The verse goes, the verse goes on to say, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? So I think controlling your, controlling your worry about things that probably won't happen, many of them won't, and then, um, and then for sure, most of them you don't have any control over. And so worry is a complete and utter waste of time. Another thing is fear, and I was trying to really, you know, kind of decide how, what's the difference in worry and fear. Worry is more of a verb, and I think fear is more of a noun, um, and it is defined as a distressing emotion um, about an impending danger, evil, or pain, and it doesn't matter if the threat is real or imagined. So that is fear, and, you know, I think so many times we talk about, you know, fear is not from God, but really God, he tells us to fear him. It's just all those other things that we fear that are, that are wrong. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So that kind of fear is good. We, do, we should fear the Lord. We should have a, a reverence and a, a holy fear of Him. But what He doesn't want us to fear is all the other things that we do. Worrying about things and things that might happen and things that could happen. and um, So fear of man is not is not what He would want. And He tells us, in um, Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And we can know that whatever comes at us, the Lord has filtered it, and that he will be with us. He will never leave us or forsake us, and that not to be, not to be fearful, because he will be with us. The next thing on our list um, for spiritual time wasters is the frenzy. And the frenzy is when you hear a group of people, or maybe one or two people, and they're talking about something and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I haven't signed up for that. Oh, my child's going to be behind. You know, and that frenzy of, of worry. Um, and it's uh, everybody else has signed up for this or everybody else is doing that or everybody else's husband leaves them in prayer time every night and mine doesn't. And so that's that kind of, that's, it's kind of the frenzy of hearing a little bit about something going on and you think, oh, I'm not on that, not on that train. And it happens
1: at every stage in life. It's not yes. just itty-bitties. Yeah. As it's, it's it, you get older, your, it's... Yeah. Um, Grades and sports and college and testing. homecoming groups. Homecoming, yeah, homecoming groups and uh, all this stuff.
0: Yeah, when it when when it's little, it might be you know jamboree or something like that. Potty but, training, reading, yeah, writing. writing. Uh, yeah. But when it's big, then it's like it, it's some of those other things we've talked about. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, "The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe." And that, I think that's a that is a great verse because we do have. We do tend to fear man and get caught up, in when we, especially when we hear other people grumbling and mumblings about things, and we think, oh, I'm, I'm behind. Um, another spiritual time waster is impatience. And um, Ephesians 4.2 says, completely, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And I think impatience, that's a complete time waster. When you're in line and you're seven people back to sit there and get all huffy, what are you going to do, you know? And I have uh, gotten on a, a, just an excitement of m- memorizing Scripture. And when I, now, when I have to wait for something, I can find it. I can like it because I can get the Bible on my phone and start working on a verse. Or maybe I have a note card. But to try to embrace somehow waiting. Maybe it's having a sweet time with your baby. But to, just to be impatient and get huffy and upset is a complete and utter time waste. You're doing no one any good. And then when you get to the counter or whatever and you're ugly, then you're either feeling bad about it or thinking you need to go... And apologize. So trying to learn patience is a, is a good thing. Another and, time- and it's
1: a good example for your children, too. Yes. If you are getting all bent out of shape over something, then fast forward a few years when um, they're waiting on you to come pick them up. And then it's like, where have you been? You would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, so just think about that. That's a good point.
0: Um, okay, n- uh, another spiritual time waster is not submitting to your husband. Lots of verses here. I'm going to read a couple. Colossians 3.18 Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. First um, Peter 3.1, very similar. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And so, again, just submitting. First Timothy 3.11, in the same way, their wives are to be wor- women worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. So I think that one important thing to remember when it comes to not to submitting, and how we feel like this is a spiritual time waster, is when you don't submit, you're going to pay for it later in some way or another. You're going to have maybe something with your husband where you're, where you're not getting along, or just, it's going to bring up things. And I think one thing for us all to remember is that the Bible doesn't, doesn't tell us to submit when they're doing a great job. It just says submit. <laughs> it does, there's no clause in here about, you know, only submit if you think they're a great leader and you really trust and respect. It just says to do it. So I think that that, you know, that's really hard, especially if they really are making a decision that you don't agree with it. And you can share your view and you can share your opinion in a respectful way, but the bottom line is there's only one bus driver, and he's the bus driver. Um, so that can be very difficult. And, so, and I do think it's important to remember that you submit Even when you don't necessarily think they're doing a great idea or it's not a great idea, Um, but you will you will waste more time not submitting than you will fretting over it or suffering later the consequences. Um, And then uh, I think it's our last one. No, Uh, one one more is gossip, and that's another spiritual time waster. And if you are around somebody who's talking about people, you're next. Just remember that. So you know if if somebody's sharing with you about somebody. When you leave, guess who they're going to be sharing about you. So,
1: so we have a saying in our community group, never leave community group early.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not that you're gossiping, but. <laughs> um,
0: so Colossians 4, 8, 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Proverbs twenty nineteen: a gossip betrays confidence. So avoid a man who talks too much. And I love this one, Romans 129. I mean, this is, um, look at the other things that they're putting gossip with. You know, it's not just like a minor in the eyes of God. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. I mean, that's a bad list. You don't want to be on that list. So, um, and the other thing, just a caution is we don't gossip in the name of prayer. Like, let me tell you the story so we can pray about it. Okay, gossip is not of the Lord, and it is not, and it is a spiritual time waster. Um, okay, the last one. I think There's the last three one. more actually. Okay, all right. I keep saying the last one. Uh, another one. I don't have them numbered. I should have numbered them. Another one is not controlling your mind or thoughts. And I, I did this just this morning. Um, I was I. Pulled out some of those photos and I was, I put them back and I was putting them back in the cabinet and I saw this photo album I'd made my husband. And, um, and, I, and I was putting it back and it wasn't kind of fitting and I was kind of shoving it back there and I was, and I thought to myself, he doesn't even care that I made this for him. And I thought, you know, not that, that's just, he, he's not, he's completely innocent in this. I, I just made that up. <laughs> and I think, you know, sometimes, here's an example. I was trying to think of, about an example of where your mind, can just go there in a second. Okay, so we go to dinner, and he didn't open my car door. He must not love me anymore. He must be having an affair. <laughs> okay, that is where you're, you know, just because he didn't open the car door, then my mind goes from, dun- 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 dun-. I don't know if y'all ever do that or it's just me, but just having negative mental conversations that are not true. So you have to go back to, the, to uh, Philippians where whatever is true, noble, right, Pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I mean, I, and, I, and memorizing scripture has really helped me with that. You cannot go through and have these negative mental conversations with yourself. Another thing that I, that I would tend to do is to analyze what people said and, like, extrapolate things that aren't there. And so you've got to control your mind and your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says... We demolish arguments and every pretension that, take, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do we make, take our thoughts captive and not go through those mental negative arguments and conversations with ourselves? Um, and Isaiah 59.7 says, Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are evil thoughts. Ruin and destruction mark their ways. Usually thought your thought life pre- is before... A sin, and so we have got to control our minds. That will keep us from sin. And and I think the best way to do it is to memorize scripture, and to not let yourself go go it, or to physically catch yourself, or, or to be able to, or sometimes she'll say, now you know, that's not really, you know, what what that person meant or whatever. So bring each other back to what is truth, and not let yourself go out of spinning out of control. And the other thing is to watch what you intake. Where can we get evil or wrong thoughts? From ungodly influences. That could be people. You know the people that suck the life out of you, and you need to control how and when you're with them. Um, TV, watching the wrong things. There's a, most, most things out there can, put, can give you wrong or evil thoughts. Magazines, books. So learning can, to control your mind is really, really important. Another way that we um, waste our time spiritually is through jealousy and envy. And we have said this before, but the comparison is the thief of joy. And we, because if you think about it, we never compare ourselves with people who are poor and fat, right? <laughs> we only compare ourselves with people that have something, have more, you know, with the person whose husband does lead them in prayer and Bible study and takes their kid out for day nights and blah blah. And we just, we don't, we don't compare ourselves with the people that have that hardly have anything. So it's just, it's just not a good thing to do. Comparison is not a good thing to do. And I want, um, we need to overcome judging others and. Uh, it's just not—it's not a good way to spend our time. Also, um, somebody once said to me when I was in a stage of really feeling sorry for myself, and she, Debbie, she said, "Feeling sorry for yourself is actually pride." And it was like, boom, that is so true. When you feel sorry for yourself, it's because you think you deserve more, and that is prideful. And I just thought that was such, such, such wise words. But the good news is that contentment can be learned. In fact, Paul says in Philippians 4, 10, I greatly rejoice in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you had been concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to be in want. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through Him. It gives me strength. So it's kind of a secret; it has to be learned, but that you can do it. And I think one of the, another important thing to remember is that ultimately contentment is more about our attitude than our circumstances. And so um, we cannot change our circumstance, perhaps, but we can change our attitude. This is the last one now. Yes. Yeah. And the last one, drum roll, blah, 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 um, is unforgiveness. And this can just Really take the life out of you. Um, Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, they will not, your, your Father will not forgive your sins. So it takes up way too much time and energy. And the person that you're bad at or steaming them at, or having those mental conversations with yourself about, they might not even know you're upset. So the only one that you are hurting is yourself if you are not forgiving. And so we, you hear, see here in Matthew that we are commanded to forgive and um, that the, you know, we do, it doesn't mean that we necessarily forgive. I mean, forget. It doesn't mean that we necessarily will be yoked with that person in the same way in the future, but forgiveness is not, is not optional. It's mandatory. And you only hurt yourself when you choose not to forgive.
1: And it's such a great role model for your children, too. And I would just encourage you when you catch yourself, um, uh, you know, doing something, ask for their forgiveness and encourage them to, you know, ask you for forgiveness. Or if you've got sibling issues where they're not forgiving one another, speak to that because it's not going to take them any good place. Okay, next we're going to look at seasons, Um, and I'm sure most of you are probably familiar with the verse from Ecclesiastes, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And I uh, put down here, if you plant in the wrong season, your crop will fail. So you have to kind of recognize where you are and what that season looks like. And um, it, I did a little bit of studying on this. And it's interesting that there's a distinction drawn And in this verse uh, between there is a season and then there is a time. So a season is a duration. It's an opportunity. It's a, it's a long period that you're going to be in, whereas a time might be something that only occurs once. And so what we want to look at now is what, what God has ordained for you to do in different seasons and to take the time to truly enjoy where you are and the season you're in and not try to rush to get to the next season and then to also know when it's time to move to the next season. So for those of you that are pregnant, there will be a time when you, you will be done having children. So you have to be able to embrace. I mean, some of you would be more thankful for that than others. But you have to be able to be like, okay, we're done We're done with that. Or, um, and, But some of you, it's like, I mean, if you have a little baby at home, that's not the time to go be the head of the junior league. You need to be in the season you're in. Okay, so let's look first at the baby season. And we just kind of talked about sort of what that... What that looks like and what that um, what that is. Okay, the baby season is the time to cling to God. It's the time to have a supportive network and get a mentor, which I encourage you to fill out your little mentor cards on the table. Um, it's time not to neglect yourself or your marriage. It's a time to run for a nap when the baby sleeps instead of unloading the dishwasher or reading email. It's not a time to volunteer or overcommit. It's a time to make friends with the crockpot. And it's a time to set your expectations low and to cut yourself some slack. All right, we have a little door prize that goes with this. Do we have the bowl of the names? Yeah. Right there. Oh. Okay. All right. So someone gets to make friends with their crockpot. Yes. And so for this, we have crockpot liners and a recipe for the crockpot. <laughs>
0: Courtney
1: Beal. Courtney Beal. All right crockpot liners Walmart usually has these they don't mean you don't have to wash the crockpot it just means you don't have to scrub and scrub and scrub the crockpot so there's that you're welcome All right, I guess we can do another one sure. alright uh, let's do another one um, we talked about this is a time to um, to clean to God so Elizabeth she's very talented she makes these beautiful crosses and so she has Put one in. It's a fall cross. This can remind you, pretty, in your in your season to cling to God. You tore? Sure? Yes. Know, everybody loves prizes. It's so fun. Okay. You want to do a journal? Yeah. Okay. We'll do a journal too. Okay. Betsy Hardy. Okay. You, we'll tell you what you can do with this in a few minutes. Okay. All right, so that's the baby season. So now, um, at some point, and some of you may be in many seasons at the same time, depending on how old your kids are, but the next stage is the preschool season. This season is uh, beware the frenzy. This is kind of when the frenzy really gets ramped up. This is time to play Barbies and Legos. It's time to go to the park, to the mall, to stroll, or go to Chick-fil-A with a friend. Time to encourage a love of the Lord. Home and family in your children. Time to train your kids to greet daddy when he comes home. And I'll I'll digress for one second. So that is, I've, some of you have done apples of gold. Have talked about this before. I mean, so you need to. I would encourage you when dad comes home, you get off the phone. You, uh, you know, get up off your seat or whatever it is, and you go to the door and greet him, and you encourage your children to do the same. And so it might be like, "Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home," or racing or whatever. And if you start that now, I mean, and this is one of those examples that the season where they race to the door and jump all over him, it it does end. And so now my kids might be doing homework or doing something like that, and he's like. Nobody's here. I mean, it's kind of sad. So start it early and encourage it and just go at it as long as you possibly
0: can. And and it's not like, Daddy's home here are his children. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, Daddy's home, we're so happy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and I will just say this This is one of the things where your mind can take you places. That's probably not going to mean that when you've been gone and you come home that you get the same treatment. It's, it's going to be more like you're going to walk in there and be like, you're going to look and there's going to be things in disarray. Things might be unclean. And it's going to be like, I can't find this. Where did you put that? Where you know? What are we having for dinner? I mean, that's kind of what the expectation is. But just to kind of know right now. That it, it's not a two-way street. It's a one-way street. And your your job is to, in this case, drive the bus to the door so that when Daddy comes home, he has a nice, warm welcome. And it's going to make him want to come home. So this is the stage, the preschool stage, is where you start training that. Um, okay, time to enjoy being home and the flexibility of no schedule. And I would just encourage you, I mean, ladies, there will, there will be a season... When you don't ever have the luxury of being home in the morning in your jammies, you will have to be up, you will have to prepare lunches, you will have to get all the paraphernalia together, unless you're homeschooling, and then you will load them all in the car, and then you will be driving places, and you have to be on a schedule, because they don't like you being late to school, so if you, when you're in the preschool season, this is your time to, to do that. to well, We can play Barbies in our jammies this morning, or we can do whatever. So don't feel like, I mean, it's okay to be home. Just enjoy that time. Um, this is a time to get a handle on things that don't go away. Meals, laundry, housekeeping, paper. We talked about this earlier. They're They're with you. They're not going anywhere. It's a great time in the preschool season to figure those things out. And then lastly, time to stay home in your jammies just because you can. So... Not, not every day. We're not encouraging you to eat the bread of idleness. You know, don't uh, become a couch potato, but don't, don't go the other side, too.
0: And, and, and not in your jammies when your husband comes home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. You are dressed, and you look good, and you're yeah. happy, and you run to the door. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Clos- yeah, that's probably a good thing. Have real
1: clothes on when he comes home from work. Okay. Your kids can be in jammies. All right, okay, the next season is the elementary school season. We just kind of group these by schooling because that's kind of a good way to kind of gauge what you're going to be doing. Okay, elementary school, time to train and model. You're going to train being on time, taking responsibility for our actions, uh, good sportsmanship, good study skills, love of learning, and how this glorifies God, respect for authority, and being kind to others. These are kind of what you do in this season. Time to volunteer in ways that directly serve and impact your family. So, my example was, I think one year I volunteered to be on the solicitations committee for the auction. Like, not my area of giftedness to begin with, but my kids now—all my kids thought was me on the phone. Like, yes, can you give the da 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 da? I mean, like, no, that did not impact them. Drive, drive the field trip. Take the cookies to the teacher. Read to the class. Figure out. I mean, and sometimes you might have to do something that doesn't directly impact them, but as best you can. That's what you want to do, um, and remember, the need does not constitute the call. Christ did not do everything; He did not respond to every single request. So, somebody else will bring the cookies to the classroom, or will do something like that. Um, and it's also time to impact your community for Christ. Now your kids are in school, and you have an opportunity to be a light to other people, and and with your kid, with your uh, your children's friends. I mean, when they when they're really little, your kids' friends are your friends' kids. You know the parents and all this kind of stuff. As they get older, and, and, and the older they get, a little bit scarier this gets because they're friends with people you have no clue who their parents are, what goes on in their household. And so if you start developing that early, let, let your friends come to your house. You be the light of Christ. And some of these kids may have, may have been raised in a home where they have no idea who Christ is. So think about that. That's what you do in this season. Okay, the middle school season, junior high, time to get in the car and drive. Time to listen and not judge. Time to pray for wisdom and patience and deodorant. Time to pray for discernment for yourself and your children. Time to keep your commitments after school to a bare minimum. Time to go by reading glasses for yourself and new bras. So... (laughs) Look forward to. Um, And that may hit those of you at different stages depending on how many children you have and how old you are and things like that. Um, That's kind of that stage. So I'm sort of half part in that stage. And then the high school years, um, time to realize you're running out of runway. Time to pray for wisdom and safety and security. Time to pray for them to get caught when guilty. Time to question whether you have imparted all the value and wisdom to them. Elizabeth and I laughed. She had this situation with... um, her oldest, Carter, was going to go um, on some friends on a houseboat. And she was like, oh, my gosh, did I ever tell him not to go out in a houseboat in a, in a storm? What if it storms? Like, this is what goes through your head when your kids are older and you realize that, you know, and you saw the pictures of our kids, like little bitty preschoolers and then the older ones. I mean, they're going to leave. And all of a sudden, the older they get, you're like, oh, my goodness, did I tell them this? Did I tell them that? Have I done a good job? And you just see... That that's when, unlike when you're at your stage and you're in the grocery store and the little old lady comes over and she's like, oh, sweetie, you're so wonderful. He's so cute and this day's just fly by. And you're like, lady, you're crazy. You know, I am at the store with two kids and I can't get anything done and you have no idea what you're talking about. And then, just, just like that, on a dime it changes and you're like, oh, my goodness, my daughter's going to be gone, gone to college in four years. I'll walk in her room and she won't be there. And so it happens so quick. So that's when you're in the high school phase. That's kind of what you're, have I imparted everything to them that I I want to. Uh, Let's see. Time to get more insurance when they drive off in the car. Time to check cell phones and Facebook accounts. Time to set some boundaries to protect family time. Time to get creative about your private time with your husband because your kids stay out late and go to bed even later. And time possibly to serve your parents. And then the next season I have on here is the Empty Nest uh, season, or as uh, Vicki Courtney, if any of y'all are familiar with her, she calls it permanent date night. And we're not there yet, so we don't know, but that's kind of uh, looking at it in a broad picture. That's sort of of where you're going to go and just encourage you to, um, you know, and it says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So just choose wisely what you're doing in the season that you're in.
0: So now we want to kind of give you some um, tangible basics. Um, we've talked about prioritizing our time and how Jesus spent his time and physical time wasters and spiritual time wasters. Now we just want to kind of give you um, the top ten basics. And uh, we know that from Proverbs 31 that becoming a virtuous woman is a lifelong journey and that every season looks different and um, that we need to embrace the season that we're in. And also just want to remember that this is a, this journey of life and raising kids it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you've got to balance yourself out and not try to get everything done in one day or one season. But just realize that, you know, as far as service, or I can remember when when uh, my oldest was in first grade, everybody was going to chapel on Fridays. But I still had a one and a three-year-old, and so I tried to go. It was a big disaster because it was it was silent. I thought, well, surely there'll be other kids there and there'll be a little bit of noise. Well, not there. So. You know, it wasn't my season to go to chapel, but later it was. Now I can go to chapel, and I choose not to. So, you know, you will get to do all these things, but it may not be today. And so, and you may have a friend who's in a different season, or has a nanny, or has the whatever, or maybe a mom or sister or somebody that can help you. But be in the season you're in and do it well, and then embrace the next one and love it and do it well. So, when it's Lego season, do Legos, and when it's baby season, do babies. So just remembering that this is a marathon, not a sprint. You don't have to do it all in one season. And and the the Proverbs 31 woman, she didn't do all that stuff in one season, I can almost guarantee. Yeah. Um, So the first thing we want to share with you is just to do something for yourself. It It will make you a better mommy. It may be taking a nap. It may be doing something creative. It may just, whatever it is, do something. If it makes you feel good to have that drawer cleaned out, then do it. Take a few minutes. To, to revive yourself, and it will, it will make you better. The other thing in that is just to schedule margin, because if we're constantly go, 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 then you're going to become weary and grouchy and things like that. So do something for yourself, not all day every day, but but filling yourself up, first of all, with the Lord, but also uh, something else that might include, you know, if you like scrapbooking or if you like, you know, something, and it, not every day even, but but it gets me out of bed when I have things in my kiln to go look at. It, it, it's just it, it invigorates me. So whatever it is that does that for you, whether it's exercise or taking a run or something creative or having that closet cleaned out, sometimes or reading a book or whatever, give yourself permission and sometimes take a moment for yourself. And I was and, and if this is not your struggle, like if
1: you're like in, indulging yourself by reading magazines and books and laying on the sofa and all that, which I, I would. Find it hard to believe that anybody in here really has that luxury. But if that's not your struggle, then 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 do be like, well, they told me at Building Blocks that I could do this. Like, don't don't have your husband come home from work and you're propped up reading Southern Living or something like that. Okay, uh, second uh, top ten, a place for everything and everything in its place. You, you can chime in here too. This this means like you ha- your diaper bag. Is is packed. I mean, you have the basics in there. You're not scrambling around every morning going, "I don't where are the wipes? Where are the diapers? Where's the ointment? Where's the formula?" I mean, that you you have that ready. Um, DVD or a library bag. If you check out stuff from the public library, you know that if you don't return it on time, there is a penalty for that. And um, so you have a place, it's a, if it's a basket, a spot, or whatever, that you keep track of that. I usually, from the library, they print off a little receipt that lists everything you checked, checked out and have a place, um, and we've got this next, a bull, I have a bulletin board in my pantry where I, I just stick that and so that I know when we get ready to go, then I've got these six books that I've got to find if they're not in the place they're supposed to be before I go back.
0: Well, and, and when they're little, you, it, it may not be that unreasonable to be checking out 20 books. But when they're preschool hardback books or whatever, you know, when they're big chapter books, you can get away with three or four. But when they're little, if you check out three books, you're going to be back in two hours. So, so you may have a whole whole bunch. And instead of being digging under the bed, if you can sort of keep them, I mean, if, when they're little like that, it might even be like a, a, one of those plastic crates or something where we just keep getting the habit of putting it back in there so that you're not scrambling when they're due. Um, okay. Um,
1: okay. One spot for your keys, your purse, and your glasses. Or, or whatever it is that you keep up with. And I I have a son who we're we're still he's 13. We're still trying to learn how to do this. And I'm like, you know, if you put your things in the same place every time, then you don't have to waste time looking for them. And I just can't tell you, I mean, just if you if you don't already have a system for that, figure this out because when you start having to get out the door and get them to school, you don't want to be running around like chicken with your head cut off trying to figure out where stuff is. Um, a big bulletin board. I went and bought it's like the biggest bulletin board I could find that would fit in my pantry, and I have it up there. And we have that's kind of command central. Uh, school calendars, football schedule, um, like we got state fair tickets yesterday. They went on there. I mean, just uh, phone numbers, anything like that. Just a place, invitations or whatever. Just a place where you can have stuff, and it's you know, it's a mess, but it's in the pantry. Who cares? But it's it's a place where people know to go look for stuff. And it's a place where I
0: know I can think, oh, I probably put it on that bulletin board. She has a big pantry. But if you don't, <laughs> if you're thinking to myself, my pantry is this big, just find a spot that, you know, find a spot that other people won't be viewing it the minute they walk in the house. It could be the back of a door. It could be a utility room. Um, just somewhere that it's not in plain sight. But it's probably worth having it. Even if even if people do can run across it, because it'll help you keep you organized.
1: Okay, I have um, a basket for my car. I think I got this like at the Container Store or something like that. I did not take it from a store, just so you all know. Um, and what I put in here is stuff that I need to take with me. Like, I have a return for Target. I might put the uh, DVDs that go back to Blockbuster. Um, I'm going to, you know, Elizabeth, I'm going to let her borrow a book. Or what, uh, one of my friend's kids left some clothes over, and I've got those in a Ziploc bag or whatever. That's, what I, that's where I put this. And then when I go to the car, I put it in there. And the good thing about this, it keeps it all in one place. I know where this stuff is, and then when you have little bitties, it keeps it. If you put it on the on your floorboard, you know what happens to it. It gets smashed, stepped on, gets Cheerios ground in it, or milk, or whatever, and then it it or you can't find it. So it, I, I would just encourage you. And this is great, like when your kids get a little older, or like um, you know elementary school age, if you're waiting for them, like it, you know sports practice or something like that. You have all your stuff. You can put your Bible in here. You can put quiet time stuff or Bible study. But just it's one kind of you know thing I have for the car. Let's see. Uh, I would just encourage you once, um, you, wherever you keep your diaper bag, maybe you, when the kids get older, figure out where you're going to keep backpacks, where you're going to keep sports stuff. For boys that might be like shoes, um, if they're playing any kind of like football or soccer or something like that, you don't want those cleats going past the door. So you got to figure out, you know, am I going to have a basket or a shoe tray or whatever, but just say, what is it, a place for everything and everything in its place.
0: Um, another thing that I think is really helpful is to write write things down, because you think you'll remember, but you might not. And um, for years, now I kind of use my phone most of the time for writing lists and for things like that, although I do, I, I, do, I keep paper by my bed in the middle of the night with a pen and my phone, which is charging so that I can turn on the little light and write. Last night I wrote down like seven items. Some nights it's 20. Some nights it's one, depending on how well I'm sleeping. <laughs> but writing it down is really important. And I, when I used to just carry around a spiral, I mean, it was... Now, when I get a phone number, I just put it in my phone and go ahead. And, I mean, even if it is a restaurant we might visit twice a year, I just po- punch it in there. There's plenty of room. But when, when, I, not, when I didn't have that, I would have a spiral. it would have four sections. It would be errands, like when I'm out. Here's, and then I can organize it. Like, this is in North Dallas. This is close to home. This is Oh, these two are together. Well, why not just get this at Target? We'll talk about that in a minute. But writing it down, errands, and then it would have phone calls to make so that, okay, we, we need to leave for ballet in ten minutes. Who do I need to call? You know, I got two phone calls to make. I can get that done in this time because it's organized by these systems. So errands, calls, and that could also be emails or maybe another section. Um, and then things to do at home. I need to write a thank you note. I need to go find that piece of paper. I need. To, so you got a little t- smidgen of time, and you know exactly you can go get a three-minute thing done. But but having it written down, I think, is really important. And um,
1: and then also ha-
0: filing it as far as having like an action file. Like these are things I'm that are. I mean, a pile, a file, a basket, or whatever. These are things things that I need to take action on, so I need to keep them out. This is the ballet schedule for the year. I probably don't need to look at that, but maybe two or three times because of, you know, when Christmas is and spring break. This, I need to, um, I'm going to need to be looking at it all the time, or I need to take action on it, or I'm waiting for this thing that I bought online, and I want to keep this receipt here to make sure it comes, or whatever. So there's an action pile, and then more of just like a filing thing. Like, I need to know where this is and get to it at some point. But I really don't need to have it in front of me every single day. So just so that you're not, you're not flipping through every single paper, looking at that, my son's 10th grade schedule every single time, every single day that I flip through this pile or, or basket, but I do need to probably have you know, maybe, maybe his lunch menu that he wants to see you know or whatever. So you, you can discern what is action and what is something that can be filed still to be able to look at, but, but you don't need to be looking at it every day.
1: Okay, we have a few... Um... Door prizes for this Okay, and this is I've, I still have a system kind of like this it's a an folder and there's um, an index and there's labels in here and what I have at home I might have um, like a file like school stuff um, letters or I have a separate one I keep for bills I've got to pay or things that are kind of you know Floating out there that you need to keep track of, but this would help you. Or or you can also do it for your kids. I mean, I have a bit larger one I use that I have one for every, you know, for every grade level, and so I stick the report cards in there and stuff like that. But so we have an action folder for someone. All right, Laura Dickinson. You want to pull some more? Okay. Get that. Oh, okay. Um, I did not make that. Dottie Jones, any of you know Dottie Jones? She has a ministry called um, Ministering to Moms. And if you're interested, you email me and I'll, I'll hook you up with her. But um, I, I have many of those in different, you know, I keep uh, like warranties in one, home warranties categorized by different things. Just nice to have a place for stuff. Okay. Um, we'll give you some little, a little spiral to write stuff down in. Oh, okay. All you we'll put it at our spot. Okay, thanks. Okay, let's do a couple more. Okay. Turtle? Yep. <laughs> uh,
0: Charity Thurston.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, we'll do one more. We'll do another cross. That. I know. Lindsay's here somewhere. Is she back there? Okay, all right. I'll, we'll, we'll let Lindsay have it later. Okay, so that's three. All right. How is this? I was going to comment on this for one second. I. I'm still technologically challenged, and I have not completely converted to using the calendar on my phone. So I still keep a spiral, and I carry it with me. And one of my friends has told me that it's very old ladyish. But anyway, I still do it. And so what I would write in there, I have the same thing. I have, like, phone calls, errands, home. And then I have a little pending part where I will write, like, let's say I ordered checks, and, and I don't want to forget that I've ordered them so that if they don't come and then someone has our checks, also, I'll write down there, you know, ordered checks. Or if I'm waiting to get a credit back on a credit card statement, I'll write, make a little note down there. Um, just things that you, you you need to be reminded, yeah, pending things. And then the other thing I use that for, let's say I've called AT&T to report a problem and they give you like the 20-digit you know code number that you've got to remember. Well, I don't need that forever. I need that for like the next three days. And so I'll just write down there that information on the side or any kind of confirmation number you get or something like that. And I have, the ever since I started this system, which is probably 10 or 12 years ago, I've kept all of those. And what I do is I do one sheet a week, and I write in the corner, usually Monday's date. And then on the front, I'll write, like, this was 2010 or 2009 or whatever. And then sometimes you can go back to those, and you can kind of in your head remember, like, okay, the air conditioner went out in August of 07, and they did the repair, and I think we have a warranty. Then you can go back and look, oh, this is who I called for that, or this was the information they gave me. So... And some of y'all are way more technologically savvy than me. You could probably figure out a way to do it on your phone or whatever. But, um, you know, sometimes pa- paper is a good thing. But mainly for me what it does is I know all my stuff is written there. It's not on little scrap pieces of paper. It's not in 15 different spots. That's where I put it if I have something you know, that I need to follow up on or that I need to remember. Okay. Four. Okay, uh, let's see. Plan your errands and group them together. This kind of, um, it's just sort of logical, but sometimes you don't realize it's logical until after you've wasted a lot of time. If you have to go to, um, you know, the cleaners, the library, and Blockbuster, and this is like, especially if you have little kids, you need to figure out, okay, What what time do they open? When are they least crowded? When am I going to be less likely to stand in line? Which one do I want to go to first? Which one, like if my kids are losing it, can I do without doing? So maybe we're going to go to, you know, the store first because we absolutely have to have milk. But if we don't get the DVD returned... You know, I can do that after they're in bed or something like that. So think about how you're going to group errands. Um, Unnecessary errands. You actually can buy toilet bowl cleaner and cat litter at the grocery store. Now, it might cost you more money than going to Target or Walmart or something like that. But you would have the temptation, or at least I do, if I'm in Target and I'm going for cat litter and toilet bowl cleaner, then I'm like, oh, that's such a cute top, and it's only $4.99. And oh, they have all the Halloween or Thanksgiving or Christmas decorations out. And then before you know it, the, the $2 you would have saved by going to Target or Walmart to buy the item, now in your basket you've got $20 worth of stuff that you didn't even need in the first place. Um, so just think think about that. And give yourself permission occasionally to not go to the place where the stuff is the absolute cheapest. Another great example, this is the dollar store. If you're going to the dollar store to buy batteries, you're probably going to put a lot of other dollar items in your cart as well because they are only a dollar. So think about that. Let's see. Um, ordering online, that obviously is a great resource now. Saves you from having to get out. And you can um, you know, save money by doing that. You think of anything else? Okay. Oh, I, well, just...
0: Also, when you're grouping those errands, um, just to be careful. Like, you don't plan to go to Snyder Plaza between 11 and 2. You know, it just doesn't. We won't get a parking spot. So you've got to you know, take that into consideration as well. Blockbuster maybe doesn't matter so much because you can probably, you know, jump out of your car for 15 seconds and get back in before the police finds that you left your child in the car. (laughs) So, you know, grouping the errands and that kind of thing. But I was the worst at, like, I'm going to save money. I'm going to go to the dollar store and buy all my cleaning supplies there. But I also bought you know, all this other stuff, and I, and I didn't save a dime. Um, so just, you know, really realizing that you can, you don't have to buy, like she said, those items at a, like a Target or a Walmart. They really do sell them at places you're already tom Thumb. Okay, the next thing is just to delegate responsibility as they get older and when, and when they can. And that includes that you don't want to micromanage. So if you're going to give them some authority, would you set the table then however they set the... T- I mean, you want to teach them proper manners that the fork goes on the left and whatnot. But generally, my daughter, she's very creative. And sometimes when she was very little, she'd come up with pretty random centerpieces. But you know what? If I delegated that task to her or decorating for a birth- that family birthday party or something like that, if I delegated that task to her, then I needed to you know, stand by that, praise her, and not go back and go, eh, you know, it would really look better if you did this. Well, of course I know better because I'm 30 years you know, older than she is. But when you give them a task, um, praise them for it, and don't micromanage by going back and do, redoing what they've already de- what they've already done. And I would just add to that, and, and this
1: not that you're delegating responsibility to your husband, but if you ask him to go, ch- you know, change the diaper or to get, you know, the children some food, you know, if he puts it in the wrong bowl or the diaper isn't exactly how you would do it, if you criticize him or tell him he didn't do it correctly. That will probably be the last diaper he will change, and that will be the last time he gets the snack or whatever. And it's like, does it really matter? He's not going to parent like you're going to parent. So just if you ask him to do something and you've been, just just live with it. I mean, really, does it make that much difference?
0: I can remember coming home one time and one of my kids, you know, those snap up the back, Jamie? He's like, these snaps don't match the bottoms, the footy jot I'm like, that's, I'm thinking, because the snaps go in the back. You know what pajamas I'm talking about? Y'all are looking at me blankly. Maybe those are old. can make those anymore. Anyway, but just be thankful. Be thankful for how they help you, and don't micromanage. All right. What's you? The next one. Okay. Um, uh, areas to have supplies together. I think this can save a lot of time and energy. First of all, like uh, with your dishwasher, you know, you should be able to pretty much keep your feet in one spot and unload that dishwasher. Generally, I mean, if you have a giant kitchen, maybe not, but generally, the things you use all the time should be close to the dishwasher. The forks, knives, spoons. The plates and um, glasses you use all the time. They should be close to the dishwasher. And if you hate tasks like that, then time them because you can find out that, you know what, it only takes me two minutes. So even though I hate this, or making up the bed, or blow-drying your hair, or getting gas, those are some of my favorite unlikable jobs. But if you time them, they really don't take that long. And so, um, but keeping things together. So you're going to keep, you know, you're going to keep the items that you use the most. So maybe my cabinet doesn't have all glasses and one cabinet has all plates, but the ones I use the most are... Near each other because just I'm using those same ones most of the time. Um, So, so grouping like-minded items. Same thing with office supplies. You know, you are going to probably need rubber bands, tape, masking tape, scissors, stapler. It's not going away. You might as well just go and invest in a set of everything and keep it all together. So that when your mother-in-law comes and says, "Do you have any rubber bands?" You're not like scrounging around trying to, you know, dig one out of the junk drawer. So the office supplies are things you're going to need. Cleaning supplies, keeping all those together as well. There's two ways you can do it. You can keep them all together in a caddy that you take from room to room, or maybe you have Windex in every bathroom, or, um, you know, however you want to do it. But just having supplies on hand because people will look to you, whether it be your relatives or your family members or whatever. You will be the go-to person um, because that, that's just the way you're going to be delegated to. Uh, first aid kit as well. You know, just have, have one of everything that you might possibly need. So when your friend's child cuts themselves, you're not scrambling through seven drawers looking for a Band-Aid. Um, same thing with gift wrap. You will be wrapping gifts. Have tape. Have scissors. Have multiple tape and multiple scissors. Maybe one in the office supplies, one with the gift wrap. Um, you know, have a boy wrapping paper and a girl wrapping paper and maybe a wedding and maybe a neutral. I mean, you will be wrapping gifts. And so have a place. Keep them all together. And... Uh, it just is it just is a good investment don't you hate when you have the perfect gift and then you don't have like the tissue or you don't have the right size box or you you know it makes the it just makes it harder but if you just have all those supplies on hand You'll be so glad you do. And that would also, I'd put cards, birthday cards or sympathy cards. You're much more likely to send a card to a friend that's in a, in, in a difficult time or having a birthday that wants to be celebrated. You're much more likely to just go ahead and do it if you've already bought a stash of cards. And that would include having stamps on hand. I mean, you don't need to have 7,000, but have a dozen so that you can drop a note to somebody. You, you will be much more likely to do it if you have those supplies on hand and know where they are. Um, At this stage of life, or maybe when they're a little bit bigger, having children gifts. So maybe you're at Target and you see they have this cute paint set on sale for $5.99. It has been $15. Buy three or four of them. Have a stash. That could be a boy or a girl gift. But you will probably, when they're little, four and five, sometimes people will have a party with 20 kids. And so you're going to be invited to a lot more parties. And it's okay to have a, a stash because when they're getting 20 gifts, it doesn't have to be the perfect gift. You know, when they're twelve and they have three friends, and you want to go out and shop for that special child, but when they're invited to a party where there are eighteen other children coming, just bring a gift and and have a stash that you may have found on sale.
1: Yeah, that's the difference between the having a gift. One gift fits all. That's like the elementary school, preschool phase. High school, junior high. That's like. Yeah, my daughter, I would never begin to buy a gift for her to give to a friend because it would clearly be wrong. And she has an opinion about what she wants to give her friend. And you want to encourage them to think about other people and to, um, and to do that. So just that the gift for all is the preschool season. The high school is
0: you, your gift closet is going to be empty. You can use it for something else. Um, and then invest in quality products that help you. So, you know, get a good stapler. It's not a, you're, you will use it. Get good laundry baskets. You're going to use them. What are the what a thermometer? I would oh, just yeah. say, I yeah. mean, and
1: I know no one wants to ask for a thermometer for like Christmas or their birthday or something like that. But you're going to be using a thermometer if you have children a lot. And so what you don't want is one that's not reliable, one that's breaking. Don't if you get one that's $15, you're going to probably buy three of those where you could have just invested in a really good one, you know, um, that's going to last. A label maker, those. I mean, you can use those from the time they're born to label all their stuff. You know, there's sippy cups and all that junk all the way through. I mean, high school, we're labeling notebooks and all sorts of stuff like that. And the older they get, the more expensive the stuff gets. Like my daughter's calculator for school was $120 because it had to be like the scientific calculator that she can use through college. But I definitely wanted to have a label on that. So it's so one of those things. It might be seem expensive, but it's a product that you will use for a long time. I, uh, yes, okay, um, non, non-negotiables, non grocery shopping, meals, laundry, housework. We talked about this. These are things that they're not going anywhere. You're going to be responsible for them for a long time unless you win the lottery and you, you know, somehow choose to use your money to buy, you know, get household help or whatever. So I would just encourage you to have a system, you know, and and. Make a plan for how you're going to handle this stuff. You make a calendar. I mean, making multiple trips to the store, at your stage is pretty hard because they're little and it's just, oh, my gosh, it's torture. Like, I can think of 15,000 things I'd rather do than drag a bunch of kids to the grocery store. But I would say as you leave the preschool stage and you get to the elementary school stage – It's more of a temptation because you can. I can can go to TomFund three times a day if I want to because I don't have anybody with me. That's a terrible use of my time. And I actually confess that I've already been, I think, twice this week because I did not make a complete list. So I would just encourage you, make a complete list, figure out what you're going to do, swap meals with friends, um, laundry. And the older they get, you can encourage them to be a part of that um, and the earlier you do it, the more fun they will think it is. The older they get, the the least attractive that will be or less attractive that will be.
0: So just encourage you on that front. Um, okay. I think keeping quiet time essentials together is a good idea, maybe in a basket or something that you can grab, um, you know, a Bible, maybe notes to write to somebody, a pen, um, some sort of maybe journal um, I like to when I do my scripture memory, I like to print it off a Bible gateway, and I'll print a few copies. I'll keep one in my next to my bed. I'll keep one in my car, I'll keep one in my Bible. and then it's always with me if I want to just try to you know review a scripture or something like that. so um just keeping it all together though will help you stay organized. you that you know say you want to just you can just grab that basket that's already all there together and, and it will encourage you to do it more if you've got your Bible that you left by your bed and your journals near the kitchen table and you're gonna. You say, oh, That's just a lot of work, and I only have five minutes. Well, if you've got five minutes and your stuff's with you, use it for use it for His glory. So, and also a prayer system. Either I've read you know various books, and some people say to keep cards because you can change them out, you can keep them with you, or a journal, or there's things you can buy that have different sections, but just some sort of an organized way so that you, when you tell somebody that you're praying for them, you have a way to actually remember to pray for them. And I think too,
1: if you write it down in a system, it's one of the coolest things is to be able to look back and see how God's been faithful and so I I had written down when my son was little and he wasn't sleeping through the night and I was just praying for him to sleep through the night and then then when he finally did it was like What a praise, but it's really cool to look back, and we we have a group that we're in where we've done this for years, and it was so neat for five of us to look back and to see how God was faithful through, um, you know, work issues with uh, husbands and children who were having different struggles or people who were having kind of marital issues and stuff like that. So if you're really discouraged, if you've written it down and you can look back and be like, he is faithful, it's, it's a great reminder.